There's no business like show business, like no business I know. The hills are alive with the sound of music. From the beautifully restored Brownwood Lyric Theater in revitalized downtown Brownwood, it's waxing lyrically. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. The podcast devoted to and hosted by our own lyric theater players. For the people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. People all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. And now here's your host for tonight's show, Paul Underwood. Hello and welcome to episode six of Waxing Lyrically. This is your host, Paul Underwood, and what a great episode we have for you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Nancy Jo Humfeld. Thank you so much, Paul. It's a delight to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, you're very welcome. I'm so glad you found your way out to the <laughs> lake here. You know, we're still doing the shows from the home because the lyric is pretty well locked up. It is, and sad thing, but... Hopefully soon we'll be able to open up again. Hopefully so. And hopefully this will be the last show where I'll have to get somebody out here because I'd love to get down to the Lyric and set my equipment up there and start interviewing people that are going to be on the stage soon. That would be great. So that would be great. That's a hope. Yeah. But I I did want to have some people on that are so instrumental to the Lyric. And I can think of no one really that's been more instrumental to the Lyric than you. And we'll get into all of that. I have prepared a little bio. Let's see what I leave out. You can can fill in the blanks, okay? Sure. All righty. All right. You're a Commerce High School at East Texas Girl, a Tiger graduate. Yes. In the year. Well, you don't have to say. You don't have to say. And then you and then you just kind of stayed home at the beginning, didn't you? You went I did. right into East Texas State. Mm-hmm. Well, I had been taking voice lessons from one of the voice professors there, and so it seemed like the logical thing to do when yes. I was going to be a music major and a voice major to stay there and work with her because I thought she was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that's of course that's now Texas A and M University Commerce. Right. But I remember back in the day, Howard Payne would have some battles in basketball versus East Texas. Absolutely. And yeah. we would come down, E.T. would come down and play Howard Payne yes. in the Greg Berry era. Oh, yeah. And so the band would come. Daddy was the director of the band. Oh, and so, so you came down and made those trips? Yes. And that Coliseum was packed? Yes, oh, it was fun. What an atmosphere. We had good times. Yeah, yeah. We got so into Howard Payne basketball that we actually took a trip up to Commerce for some oh. big playoff game and played in that old wooden gym they had. Yeah. Yes, there. they still have that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they have updated it some, but yes. All right, we, we digress here, yes. and, and we do a lot of that because there's no time limit on a podcast. I yet, love it. We can just talk for hours. Oh, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> then you finally left your hometown and went to Southern Illinois University. Is that next? To get, well, actually, I taught for three years at Grayson County College. Okay, all right. I had that on the list, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the right order. There. Yeah, okay. I, I, while I was doing that, I went back and got my second master's in theater, so I'd already gotten my master's in vocal performance. And then I went up there and I was teaching for three years and I thought, okay, if I'm going to be teaching theater, I need to know more about it. Yeah. And so I went back and got a second master's in theater and then decided that 
you know, age-wise, career-wise, if I were ever going to get a doctorate, it was the thing to do. And if you want to stay in academia, you pretty well need a doctorate. So I went to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale and got my PhD in theater, specializing in musical theater. So how did you choose that university? And tell me about your experiences in Illinois. Well, it really was a God thing. Can I say that? Sure. (laughs) I was, it was the spring Um, And I knew that I wanted to go to grad school and I had been looking at Kent State University, thought Mm -hmm. it was a great program and so forth. But I always been taught you don't put all your eggs in one basket. So let's apply. So I applied to the graduate school at SIU, but I hadn't done anything other than just submit my name and and, uh, my um, transcripts and things. So anyway, I was coming home. It was on Maundy Thursday and before Good Friday, had Good Friday off. And so I was going to spend Easter weekend with my parents and I was talking to the Lord and I I said, now, dear Lord, it looks like I'm all set to go to Kent State, but if that's not where I'm supposed to go, please let me know. Just talk to me, Lord. Let me know what you want me to do. And I drove in the driveway at my parents' house. I went in the back door and the phone was ringing and it was Dr. Strominus from SIU offering me a graduate assistantship for which I had not applied. Wow, very nice. I was like, okay, yes, Lord. <laughs> so I, I did do some research and so forth, but that, that was basically one of the main reasons. But then also they said, we are going to take your experience. You've got two master's degrees. Let's see what you already know. And then we are going to tailor make your degree for you. So it was really nice to have, rather than pigeonholing me into a a degree that they already had set up, we basically tailor made my degree and tried to fill in things that I hadn't had and add things that I wanted and so forth. So it was really a great program for me. That is a great thing. And I loved Illinois. It was wonderful. Now I'm a Texan. Oh, am I a Texan? (laughs) But I loved those three years knowing that more than like I would be coming back to Texas, yes. made some lifelong friends yes. and still go back there to visit and just absolutely loved what I learned there and, and the people I connected with. Okay. Going on with the bio here, uh-huh. ultimately you found your way back to Brownwood, Texas, yes. and you found your way to Howard Payne University. Mm-hmm. You're currently the artistic director of the Brownwood Lyric Theater. Yes. And we'll get into what all that entails here mm-hmm. shortly. And a proud member of the Union Presbyterian Church. Yes, sir. I just can't imagine life without my Christian walk and my faith. Let's talk about, I kind of alluded to it, let's talk about your work going back to the ground floor of the Lyric Theater, because that's what we're here. We're kind of here to talk Lyric Theater. Sure. The Genesis, I guess, started Mm -hmm. in 2001. Yes. Um, Well, let me me back up just a a couple years before that. Jesse Hamilton, it was in 1994. Seven mm-hmm. that the Coggin Theater at, from Howard Payne was not habitable anymore. Right. And so we were looking for space for us to perform. And Jessie, uh, I went into her store at one, Hamilton's and, um, or Pat's and Jeans as it was at the yeah. time. And uh, where and the lyric currently sits. Where the lyric currently is. Yes. yes. Believe and it or not. I know. I know. <laughs> it was a ladies ready to wear store when yeah. I got here and I had no idea. And she said, I want to show you something. And she took me into her office and opened the back door and here was this theater 
I was just stunned. I had no idea. Well, she thought it might be a possibility for Howard Payne to use mm-hmm. uh, for it, mm-hmm. but I knew it would take way yonder too much work to get it up to speed and, and so forth. And, and so money I, that Howard Payne didn't have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just said, well, thank you. It's wonderful. But it was in the back of my mind. And then she mentioned it to Eric Evans, I think probably uh, around 2001. And so Eric said, we need to do something with this. And I said, well, yeah, let's put two poor ministers and a poor school teacher together (laughs) and try to do a $3 million project. But um, anyway, Danny Ingram and Eric Evans and I got together. I was actually up at my mom's in commerce. And so we met on my uncle's sun porch in Fort Worth because it was halfway in between. And we visioned, we wanted to say, okay, five years from now, 10 years from now, what do we really want? Mm -hmm. What is a mission statement? How are we going to make this work? Do we have a business plan? So we were, we were just visioning that whole day and it was a wonderful, productive day. And all three of us were thinking, wow, wouldn't that be exciting? Could we get this done? And yes, tons of obstacles ahead of us. But yeah, we, you know, we really think there's a need for it in Brownwood. We felt like there was a a desire of a lot of folks to be a part of something like that. And certainly, even if they're not a a part of the acting or the tech area, but an audience, we, we knew that there were folks that would enjoy. So that was how we started. We became a nonprofit in July of 2002. And then we purchased the building in February of 2004 and then decided that we would do a show in the Lyric to bring music and theater back down to downtown. Which made it seem like we were not that far off. I remember I went to that show, The Cinderella, in 2004. And then I thought, well, you know, a a couple of years, we'll be in that theater. Well, 10 years. It took 10 years, Nancy Jo. It did. Because we did not want to go into debt anymore. I mean, we we had the mortgage payment on the building, Mm -hmm. but we did not want to go into debt because we just weren't sure we could climb out of it. So we wanted to, to get the money ahead of time. And we were so blessed by so many gracious people that really helped yeah. um, help make that happen. Well, of course, the the lyric started in that 2004, and we, we did shows. We did shows at the high school. We may have even done some at Howard Payne. We did them at Howard Payne first. Right. Uh, we, did, uh, we did Cinderella in 2004 at the lyric. We didn't have seats. We didn't have curtains. We didn't have potties. We didn't have anything. No air conditioning, nothing. And it was in May. We just all prayed for a cool front, which we did get the first weekend. The second weekend was a little dicey. But uh, we, I mean, we sawed off the rebar on the concrete and brought in (laughs) folding chairs. We had Pitt's porta potties outside. But when the lights went down, you know, and you just, you know, we we had some crude lighting up there. And uh, everybody loved it. We did, yeah. It was so exciting to be downtown and even rehearsing. We would have people stop and because we had the doors open because you know it was hot people walking their dogs and they were like oh my gosh this is so cool that we're down here and so forth so that was really special and it was a great idea to do that because it did give people that vision it put something what it could be and i I don't know i don't know if we'd have got it done without just kind of opening up and doing that first show there I agree. But then 2005 to 2008, we were at Howard Payne. And then 2009 to 2013, we were at the high school. And then we did the grand opening in 2014, which was so fun. (laughs) All right. Okay, Nancy Joe, let's climb in the way back machine. I'm going to go all the way back to your childhood. I don't think many people know some of this stuff. Sure. Childhood aspirations, you know. (laughs) 
little Nancy Joe growing up there in commerce, what were you going to be? What were you going to do? Well, I'll tell you exactly when I knew what I needed to do. When I was five years old, we moved to Rochester, New York, so that my daddy could do his year's residency for his doctorate mm. at Eastman School of Music. And my parents took us to a children's show. Now, I had taught myself to read when I was four. My grandmother was a first grade teacher, and she said, don't help her. She'll have nothing to do in first grade. But I was bound and determined I was going to learn to read. It was so exciting. It was like a puzzle. It was so fun. And we went to this play, this children's play at Eastman Theater, and we were in the front row of the balcony. And I remember that we were there, and the lights went down. And then the lights came up on these characters out of these stories that mm-hmm. I had read. I just, I almost felt a shiver go down <laughs> me and thought, this is what I need to do. Wow. It was that profound to me at five years old. So a five-year-old epiphany. You it knew. Was. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was. I love telling stories. I love entertaining and hopefully bringing joy to people and it was just a wonderful way to make that happen. Now, you were a vocal major, too. Yes. So how do you compare singing versus acting? Are they equal to you? Does one take precedence over another? Or You know, it was interesting. When I went to college, I wanted to be a double major in music and theater. Mm-hmm. That was always my goal. I wanted to do both. But both of those require such extracurricular time. Mm. You've got to go to recitals for music. You've got all this extra practice time and rehearsals and whatever. Well, you've got rehearsals in theater. And so both of them, there's just no way to do that. So everybody said, well, you know, you can sing because you're, you know, you've been taking voice lessons that stick with your strong suit and so forth. And I thought, well, okay. So I did. That's why I got the music degrees first. And then I got the master's in vocal performance because I really want, and I knew I wanted to teach college mm-hmm. and you have to have a master's to do that but then i really 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 wanted the theater aspect the too stage. oh absolutely and the pretend mm-hmm. when we did some operettas and things like that but it's not quite the same yeah and yeah. i love being able to to do the fun stuff the comedies and the farces i love to do serious stuff as well i yeah. mean you know we did steel magnolias which has a great deal of both in it so yeah, yeah. It's fantastic really show. And I've Thank told you, you um, yeah, your monologue at the end of that had me in tears. I think I saw that show three or four times because my wife was in it. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, that was just fan fantastic. Thank you. Um, your very first role on the stage. Do you remember your first time on the stage? You remember vividly seeing other people on stage. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was your everybody's looking at you moment? Well, (laughs) in my high school, we did not have a theater department. So if you wanted to do the one act play, you had to be in speech for the year. Well, I wasn't all that red hot about speech at the moment, but I really wanted to be in the one act play. Mm -hmm. So I was in the one act play my junior year and it was not, uh, I'm sure it was not an outstanding role, (laughs) but I do remember it was called the old lady shows her medals. And I was one of the little old ladies and so forth, but that was not outstanding. I did a couple. Do you remember any lines? Your, oh, your lines no. From that? No. The old no, lady I, shares her medal. Show, shows. Shows her medal. Mm-hmm. It was a British um, play and okay. uh, it was it was funny. I <laughs> I remember one line. It was not my line, <laughs> but the, the, the old lady had a, a fellow that, that was kind of, kind of like a son to her and uh, or she had been writing to him mm-hmm. and oh, please forgive me if I don't get the plot exactly right. It's been a year or two ago, but at any rate, um, she just thought it would be so neat if, if the young man came in and he was all masculine and whatever and had hairy legs and so of course the young man comes in and she goes, hairy legs and that's the only <laughs> line I remember. <laughs> Isn't that a quality line? Interesting. All right. 
But then in college, I did some some um, operas and operettas. I didn't do in, in undergrad. I didn't do any straight plays. Okay. I did do vocal coaching, music coaching for some of the musicals that the theater department did. And so mm-hmm. I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I did summer rep theater for three summers after college and during my master's degree. I studied for my um, my orals for my master's degree under the gelled lights in the light booth when oh, wow. I was running lights for yeah. a show in summer rep. So yeah. I just did a lot of stuff at the same time. Any memorable moments in that summer rep? Or? Yes. One of the awfulest moments for me was when... I love the train wreck. Story, I know. So. <laughs> the train wreck story. When we were doing The Good Doctor... And something happened to the sound. And I was running sound for this show. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't functioning. And so I turned everything off and I figured out. And I, thank you, Lord, was able to figure out where they were and then just ease the sound in toward the end of his song. But he sang a cappella, bless his heart, for a while. <laughs> that scared the doolollies out of me. So, <laughs> oh, Well, that's pretty but, good to sing it a cappella. I had yeah. a... My first moment on stage was pretty forgettable. It was uh, Cinderella, my junior, no, my senior year. I guess my first moment was Fiddler on the Roof, my junior year, oh, which was wonderful. I had a small role, you know, uh-huh. I played a, a Jew and then a drunk Russian, you know, so oh. that was fun. <laughs> but I got cast, I didn't audition for, but I got cast as the prince in Cinderella, my senior there you year. Go. I think it was because my mom could sew me a really good costume. <laughs> I looked fantastic. Thank you, I Mom. Bet. Oh, and, yeah. And she saved that costume. I think we <laughs> she ended up giving it to the lyric or whatever. But, oh, uh, sweet. But you you said about the sound. Well, my deal was, you know, in, uh, I think it was Do I Love You Because You're Beautiful. Oh, that song. I love that song. Up. And so I walk up to the stage. I'm, I'm saying some sweet line soliloquy, and I walk up there mm-hmm. and... Uh, the band and Kurt Woolery and everybody down there in the orchestra, they're, they're supposed to start in on the song. Uh-huh. Well, they're all just looking at me, <laughs> and I'm looking down at them, and um, okay, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to do it a cappella. So I did. Oh, wow. And as soon as I start singing, they realize, and all the little lights go on, and they start <laughs> playing, well... My acapella singing did not quite go with theirs. Yeah, playing down there because you don't know disaster. what pitch to start oh, no. on. <laughs> and I was, I was pretty, I was pretty far off. But uh, oh, bless but, yeah, your heart! I think that may be one of the worst musicals Brownwood High School has ever done. So I was in one of the best, Fiddler on the Roof. Sure. And then I was, I think, a part of one of the worst. There, oh, that's so. great. <laughs> We all have those moments. Yes, we do. That was my train wreck moment, I guess, on stage. It keeps us humble. (laughs) Um, Okay. Talk about, we're going to talk about your mom, Irene. She's so very, very special. And I remember seeing her and she always had such a bright countenance. Yeah. Uh, talk about her and her helping you, I guess, at uh, during some of your uh, shows. Or you know, she really didn't do as much during rehearsals. Although sometimes she would come and watch. Um, one of my favorites was after she moved here in 2013. I, I built a house so she could come live with me, and we had plenty of room and whatever. And so she moved in in the fall uh, in August of 2014. And that fall, I was doing a show, and it required a dog. And <laughs> so I have a little shih tzu and so bitsy was the dog and she was wonderful i mean she really did what she was supposed to do she never you know they they passed her from actor to actor they dropped her it was oh mercy 
It was at uh, Howard Payne. Show. It was at Howard Payne, okay. and you've I'll done, come up with the name in a minute. That's oh okay. yeah, um, it'll it'll come to me in a minute. But it was it was a hoot. The show was just so much fun, and Bitsy was just good as gold. She just you know they taught they dropped her over a balcony, and you know we just it, she was really good. Well, Mother loved to come to rehearsal and watch Bitsy, and so here I'd be focused on the stage, and I would just be really intense watching my actors and trying to see what was going on and so forth. And Mother go, look, isn't she cute? <laughs> <laughs> The dog was stealing the show. She was, at least for mother, for sure. But she helped me so much with other things. Like, for instance, uh, if I needed some, uh, even at the university for my, uh, just my regular job, uh, she would help me copy tests for kids. Mm -hmm. She would, Mm -hmm. I mean, she would do anything she could to help. And she was always such a blessing. And then she used to say that when I went to my first faculty meeting every semester, that I would come home and I would just be overwhelmed because there's so much to do at the beginning of semester. And I had plenty of time to work. I didn't have time to live. (laughs) And so she would do things. She would come with me at the beginning of every semester and she would take the car to get the oil changed. She'd go to the grocery store. She would do those kinds of things to just kind of help me survive until I could get my feet under me. Yeah culinary skills. She had that. Oh, she was a home ec major. Okay. And so she actually majored in, in clothing and textiles. And she designed and, and made her own wedding dress and oh her own going away dress. Wow. Beautiful things. Oh and uh, just very, very talented in all of the home arts and yes. loved it. That was her life. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and, and make a lovely home for everyone. And when we had her um, celebration of life service, um, I had them read Proverbs 31 because she truly was a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, she did get up early to take care of her family and, and she did all these things for us. And it was, she was just an amazing woman. How special was it for her to be there at opening night of the lyric and for anything goes? Oh, I was so tickled. She could be there. It was just so wonderful. And I have the neatest picture of mother and Iva Hamilton sitting on, <laughs> we were all tired. I think if I remember correctly, Priscilla and I are on one of the little benches and mother and Iva are on the other bench. And we're all tired at the end of the night and sitting there and kind of waiting to, to get other things done. But it's so precious to me to have that picture yeah. of, of the two of them. And it was so funny um, when I was so honored, had no clue, but was so honored to be named the, the woman of the year in 2011. Oh, yeah. And it was so funny because Priscilla Munson called my mother's house to get some information about me and to tell my mother that they were going to honor me in this way, but it was supposed to be a surprise to me. Well, I answered the phone because I happened to be home and Priscilla was sputtering. She didn't know what to do. <laughs> but then she did tell mother and mother kept it a secret. And then it worked out. She could come down and uh, it was so perfect to have her there that night. And it was such a surprise. Yeah. I had no clue. And right. it was so neat. In fact, I said to Priscilla, who was sitting next to me, they were uh, spouting all of these wonderful attributes that the woman of the year should have. And I said, that needs to be you. <laughs> <laughs> And having no clue. That is a great honor. That was the the chamber banquet, I guess, 2011. That was so, so wonderful. That's always a a, a wonderful night. It is. Okay, let's talk about Howard Payne now a little bit. Love Howard Payne. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to go here or not. I'm going to ask you Uh who were some of your favorite students. Can you single any out? I've got a few names, but uh, Uh mine are fairly recent. I don't even know how long you were there as theater director. 
Well, I started out teaching music, voice, and okay. and uh, vocal diction, and things like that. I morphed into also teaching some theater classes and communication classes. So, literally, in my thirty-three year career, I taught full-time music, full-time communication, and full-time theater. And a mixture of all three. So it was a, a very, very interesting career. I've had a lot of really, really neat students. Um, one of the, oh, mercy, I hate to single anybody out because they're going to say, it would well, be tough, why yeah. didn't you mention me? <laughs> um, the mid-90s were very special to me. I mm. had a great crew of students that were just really outstanding. And Brad Miles and Elisa Wallace-West and Clay West and uh, Trey Groves and Trey Teal and uh, Toby Foreman. There were just a bunch of kids in that bunch. And then, oh my goodness, all of the Ewan brothers, uh, <laughs> Shane Ewan first, and then Brennan Ewan, wow. and then Matt Ewan, and then finally Nick Ewan, who is and now my colleague. You had that many I Ewans. had all four brothers. Wow. It was really very special. And they were all so special. And then um, Clarissa Ewan also. I mean, just a wonderful bunch of, of kiddos. Early on in my uh, career, Cammie Carpenter, who is now Cammie Bowren, mm-hmm. um, is a very special student of mine. Uh, she's the one that I taught the word decorum to, and <laughs> she still tells that story that, um, I mean, there have just been so many wonderful students through the years, Karen and Rob Hartman, and just a bunch of them that have become very, very close to me. Kasha Rose, River oh Shotwell, Josh Helms. Oh, that, that bunch. my word. That bunch. They came in, uh, not Kasha came later, but right. Josh and Rivers came in 2008. Mm-hmm both outstanding students of Larry Wisdom in Van, Texas. And Larry is just absolutely amazing. Larry and Sue Wisdom are just incredible. And so these guys were just so talented. And so I knew that I wanted to do Grimaldi, King of the Clowns. And I knew that was a role for the two of them. I saw Um, that show. It was amazing. Oh, the script is incredible. These guys were just outstanding. And so it was really kind of fun to have those years when I had some really Real, really strong guys. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't always happen. So how gratifying is it now when you hear back from them and, and, and they tell you how much that you meant to them, you know, in, in their mm. university time? It touches my heart. Yeah. It really does. Uh, last January, when we started the semester, Nick had, Nick Ewan, had um, Josh Helms and Tyler Curitan come and talk to our kids. And both of those guys were so special to me. And they made a point of coming to my house and they spent about an hour and a half visiting before they went out to be with the students. And Tyler brought his wife and daughter and little baby boy. And Mm. we just had a wonderful visit. They are just great folks. Now, you mentioned uh, the, the Ewans, and, yes. and, and Nick is the theater director now. I don't know what his official title is. Is that what it is, theater mm-hmm. director? He's the head of the theater, yeah. And I, I guess the way I took it is you took a pretty magnanimous role in that because, you know, Howard Payne, they're not unlike any small universities kind of scraping to get by in these tough times. It kind of came to a situation to where um, they could only have one. And you stepped aside for Nick because you knew that talent that he had and the energy. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, they came to me and basically said, we have to downsize your department to one faculty member. And so we have a letter for Nick saying that as of December 8th, he will no longer be employed. And I just couldn't imagine uh, Howard Payne without Nick. I couldn't imagine Brownwood without Nick. And so I just 
asked if I could take early retirement, and they said, certainly. But since I had seniority, obviously, I was the one that they were going to right. to offer the continued employment to. But um, I just couldn't imagine the sweet thing. I went to see Nick. He was actually at the Lyric uh, working on uh, the children's show at the time. And so he knew I was having this meeting and it was, you know, we were all pretty tense at that time. And mm-hmm. so I met him we were in the guy's dressing room, actually nobody else there, just the two of us. And so I said, um, I told him what had happened and he said, I don't think I can let you do that. And I said, I don't think you can let me not do that. (laughs) But it was the best decision for everyone. And he has just done a magnificent job. It's, it's tough. I mean, it, theater is not something that can be handled by one person very easily. It's just a, it's all consuming and it's just very, very difficult, but he has done a wonderful job and uh, took the kids. In fact, Lori and I, Lori Arp, our wonderful friend who, costumes for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Scotland a year ago in August and did the International Collegiate Theater Festival there and performed a, a play that he wrote yeah. that was outstanding. Saw and, it on the lyric stage. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was just really very special. So he has done an incredible job. And I just, I love the Ewan family. They are just wonderful folks and have brought so much to Brownwood, to Howard Payne and to the lyric. All right. Let's talk about some fun stuff here. Okay. Um, not that it, that wasn't fun. Too. Sure. Strange quirks from actors that you've been associated with, maybe at Howard Payne or on the lyric stage. Mm. Any uh, oddballs out there strike you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, I remember very specifically Danny Gonzalez, who was Mm -hmm. just an outstanding actor. We were doing a play that I would love to do at the lyric. It's absolutely a hoot. It, the name escapes me, of course, at the moment. That's okay. <laughs> I'll tell you in a minute. It takes place in a fishing village, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll come to me here just shortly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so embarrassing when I can't think of the title. But uh, And it's one of my very, very favorite shows. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hmm. Well, maybe I can help with that. Hey, Nancy Joe, it's Danny. And, yes, you are so close. You're thinking of The Foreigner. By Larry Shue. And yes, it would be a total hoot if you did it at the Lyric. Now, back to our show. He was playing this wonderful character. His character's name is Ellard. Yeah. And Ellard is, is, as we would say in the South, not quite right. Right. And he was just so sweet and innocent and charming and just delightful. And right before the last performance, Danny was off in the corner and he was very contemplative. And I said, Danny, are you okay? He said, I'm just saying goodbye to Ellard. (laughs) (laughs) It was just really, it was precious. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, train wrecks, any train wrecks you can remember just on the Howard Payne stage. And then maybe we'll have some lyric stories. Well, there are always moments where, you know, someone goes up on a line, mm-hmm. forgets a line or, or something like that. And they, they usually cover pretty well. The biggest, and I, well, I won't say it was a train wreck, but it scared the doolollies out of me. Yeah. Um, we did a children's show at Howard Payne, and one of the flats, the tall pieces of, of scenery, was kind of against the proscenium, that stage wall there mm-hmm. at the front. And I don't know, someone brushed past it as they entered, and that 
puppy oh. came down and fell toward the audience. Oh, no. And my heart stopped. I thought, <laughs> oh, my word, we're going to kill a child. That's horrible. Oh, no. But it, it did not. It was not long enough to reach anybody in the audience. But that's when your heart stops. Oh, yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah. The other one on the lyric stage that was scary was when Billy Harvey was playing one of the spirits. <laughs> Fruma in Fiddler, Sarah. yes, Fruma she was playing. Yes, yeah, and uh, we we did not have. Uh, it was very difficult to to. We we didn't have the ability to fly the spirits. We right. didn't have you know. So uh, they made these carts, and somehow the cart that was, it was a they dream were wheeling around kind of deal that Tevia yeah. had or or whatever, and she was suspended like she was huge on yes. stage, suspended on these risers and, uh-huh. and whatever. Well, she was in this little mobile cart thing, and they were wheeling her out, and somehow momentum got forward, and she tumped over yeah. and fell out the front of that thing. Now, she was fine. She jumped right back up Amazing. and hollered in his face, right. but but that was that was scary. That got, was very scary. We got scary. to see her in her University of Michigan clothes <laughs> underneath there. So, yeah, that would classify as a kind of a train wreck. Yes. It's hard to kind of get past that. That was awful. But other illusion. than that, I loved that show. Yeah. yeah. We did it, I don't know, eight times. Yes. And, and seven were flawless. It was. Just that right. one time was, yeah. A little that was, scary. Uh, that was a little scary. Uh-huh. All right. Let's talk musicals and stage plays. Um, oh. Your favorite show. Favorite musical of all time, oh. Nancy Joe. You know, I don't have an answer for that. Really? <laughs> no. I love so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to say, one of the ones that I thoroughly love is Kiss Me Kate. I'd like to sup with my baby tonight And play the part with my baby tonight I'd like to sup with my baby tonight And play the pup with my baby tonight But I ain't up to my baby tonight Cause it's too darn hot <laughs> And I would love to do that at the lyrics sometime Kiss Me Kate is uh, basically the story of the taming of the shrew in modern day, but it's uh, originally, it was Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson and, oh, my, um, Fosse, Bob Fosse, and several of those guys were dancers in it. I mean, it was incredible. The movie is wonderful. I love that show. It's very witty, very funny, and and just a lot of, of great play in that. That is absolutely one of my very, very favorite shows. Any others come to mind? One of my very favorites is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. I love, love, love the music in that show. Right. It is really so spectacular. Um, there are just so many that we have done at the Lyric that I, I dearly love. It's really hard to choose a favorite. Noises Off is a favorite play, and I'm hoping to do that at some point. Maybe not this year, but maybe next. Okay. I just keep saying, okay, we'll we'll get to it, but um, <laughs> but we need to have the right personnel and the right timing and and so forth. So we may do that in another year. But it is just a hysterical play. 
Have you seen a lot of uh, professional shows? Have you gone to Broadway, New York City, and seen shows? I have gone to New York, but not frequently. Mm -hmm. I had season tickets to the Dallas Summer Musicals, so they were the Broadway touring shows. I did that for 10 years Mm -hmm. until they started kind of reiterating the same ones. I was like, okay. And then being busy here in the summer, I did not have time to go uh, back up there. But yes, a lot of them. And just, I'll tell you one of them that just moved me, and I didn't even realize it. The music is so powerful. The story is so powerful is one called civil war Mm. and mother and ken and i were there and we were watching and all of a sudden i thought my eyes are leaking (laughs) and i didn't even realize it i mean i didn't feel like i was crying but their tears were rolling down my face very powerful beautiful show famous actor actress that you look up to or an individual performance that sticks out Mm -hmm. one of my very very favorites is anthony hopkins yeah. I think he is a brilliant actor and watching him in, um, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis. See, this is terrible. We put me on the spot. And I can't think of his name. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, um, Surprised by Joy is the name of the book. Okay. Shadowlands. Okay. Shadowlands. Uh-huh. Seeing his performance in Shadowlands was just outstanding. Wow. And I saw him interviewed um, one time. See, I, I don't do the, the, I can't do Hannibal Lecter and things like that. I, I mean... Yeah, mm-hmm. I have too vivid imagination. That shows his, uh, his stretch of an actor, but it's just it, not it your does. cup of tea. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But in this interview, it was with the actor studio, mm-hmm. and they uh, someone said, "Can you can you show us Hannibal Lecter?" And he was just there being normal Anthony Hopkins and whatever. And then all of a sudden, his facial features changed. Ooh, it was like, "Ooh, wow. <laughs> don't want to go there." But just brilliant. I, I also think Meryl Streep is amazing and yeah. extraordinarily talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of the younger actors that I, I do like, but some of those classics, I mean, you can't beat Fred Astaire. Yeah. <laughs> He's just such a marvelous dancer. And those movies were, were just a lot of fun. And I realize that makes me sound like an old fogey, but I do hey. love that, that talent. It's just brilliant. I think a lot of people during kind of these times that we're going through now, do take comfort in finding one of those old movies or old musicals and, and mm-hmm. watching it and thinking back to those simpler times. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I'm an Andy Griffith girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love the Andy Griffith show because it, it, it was a good moral time. And, you mm. know, we he'd always say to Opie, act like somebody. Yeah. And, I mean, that's good advice for all of us. <laughs> yeah, that was my mom's favorite show, too. Oh, so. I knew Mary Jo and I connected. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you enjoy most about the the whole process, the whole stage theater process? What do you enjoy most? Is it the rehearsals? Is it the um, being able to getting excited when an actor or actress has a breakthrough moment of some sort or as an educator and a director, that is really exciting Mm -hmm. to, to see them blossom as a, a character. I've said for years that I've always been very proud of every production we've ever done. Sometimes more proud because of the process and the growth that I saw, even if the finished product wasn't as spot on as I would like for it to be. But I I love to watch that. Like I said, the educator in me loves to see that blossom. I thoroughly love rehearsals. We have a lot of fun in rehearsals. I mean, fun things happen. People get their tang tangled. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun to be in, in rehearsal. And, and those moments that would be outtakes otherwise are, are yeah. what we experience in rehearsal. So I thoroughly enjoy every minute of it. And then just that moment of 
as a director standing back and watching what everyone has done and what they have accomplished, mm. it is so exciting. And then if I'm on stage, just that moment of connecting with the audience is yeah. so much fun. One of the reasons I love Nonsense Jamboree so much is that I got to interact with the audience. Mm. I got to talk to them. And it was not just that fourth curtain, yes. that fourth wall that was down, mm -hmm. but we actually got to communicate with the audience. And I love that. Yeah. It, it's that connection and that, that shared experience. So that you are all having that moment, even in Steel Magnolias, when I was doing that final monologue, you could feel everyone was in that same moment with you. Mm -hmm. And it was so, so exciting and so energizing, um, even in, though it was a, a very sad moment. But it's so fun to hear the audience respond yeah. and to realize that you may be tickling their funny bone. And that is so wonderful. Yeah. We all appreciate that. All right, it's not all wonderful. So what is what are some things that you like least about the whole process? You knew that question was coming, most sure. not least. So what are some things that would really fray your nerves or I think uh, scheduling is yeah. really the, the hardest mm. because you're dealing with, typically when I'm doing a musical, there are 35 to 40. Sometimes with Joseph, there were 60 people in the cast. Yes. Well, I can tell you, with the exception of Nonsense Chamboree, and there were only five of us, mm -hmm. but with Nine to Five, with Joseph, with Oliver, we did not have every single person on that stage that was supposed to be on that stage until we had an audience. That's tough. You know, you're, you're dealing it's with horrible. volunteer actors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell Stephen Haynes, our mayor, that he can't go to city council because he has <laughs> rehearsal. I don't think so. You know? yeah. So, you know, we know that people have lives. They have things they have to do. Sometimes they have to stay late at work. Yeah. And so they come in late. But that's got to be that has to be frustrating and, and hard for a director. It is. And every summer you've got family vacations and Bible yes. school and mm. uh, summer camp and this and cheerleading camp and band camp and soccer camp and, you know, all those things that take people away and it is it's very hard and we've become busier parents have become busier now in their kids yes. lives then that balance there is even tougher now absolutely than it used to be absolutely it yeah. is it is and so just coordinating that and the thing is some of those people don't need that rehearsal but the people that oh, they are working yeah. with do, yeah. you know, so I even need every if rehearsal on. I can get. So. <laughs> I, I hear you. I always feel better. Uh, so that, that does help. But it's, yeah, scheduling is the biggest issue that, that we really have. Now let's talk about your role as artistic director at the Lyric. I've got about a one minute clip here. I'm going to play it. And then I'd like to get your reaction. Okay. From this. Sure. Um, the difference between an artistic director and a director is that a director guides a theatrical production from idea to opening night. What is the physical environment in which we want to tell this story? Who are the right actors that we want to gather together? What's the right pacing and momentum? Where do we point the eye? They guide a production. An artistic director guides a whole organization, but really in the same way. What's the story we want to tell? How do we want to resonate with our audience? The difference being, while a director thinks about an audience in the theater one night, an artistic director thinks of her whole community as her audience, as her theater's audience. So it is crafting 
an organization's mission, crafting an organization's activity, but wonderfully, it is an imagination-fueled profession, just like directing is. Okay, that was uh, Susan Booth. Now, she is an artistic director, and I thought she really did a good job of kind of separating the roles there. Oh, she did an outstanding job. That is wonderful, and it's so true. Um, the director has vision for that particular production, and like she said, it's the vision from inception to completion of the production. The artistic director has to have that overall view. So like the director has the overall view of what's going to work best, and individual actors may think, oh no, I need to do this, but in the whole mosaic of the show, it would work better if you did this instead of that. So the director has to to have the whole picture for the production. And like she said, the artistic director has to have the whole vision for the whole company. Yes. So we are thinking constantly about what would our audience like? What is our demographic? What would please our community? What what would uh, edify and maybe expand our audience? And then just overseeing absolutely every aspect of what we do, making sure that it's the face that we want to present to the public. Does the Lyric Theater serve our community's needs? I certainly hope so. We certainly have been getting the impression that it has. Uh, We have gotten a lot of positive response, and folks seem to really enjoy what we're doing. We try to offer a variety Mm. in our our shows each year so that if this one doesn't tickle your fancy, hopefully the next one will. I particularly enjoyed, and uh, as far as serving the community, that... Bill Foster's Windows Home, I thought, was was great, yes. you know, because it kind of shined a light on something that needed to be told, you know, and, and that was Absolutely. tough to watch. Too. Yeah, absolutely. But what a great production yeah. and what a great script. And then mm-hmm. Katie Tidwell directed and just did a beautiful job and the actors were incredible. It really was a very special thing for us to be able to do that premiere. And I would like to see more of that. Obviously, original, of course, somebody's got to write it. Somebody's got to do it. I know Nick is pretty talented in that way, too. Very much. Um, I mean, I enjoy doing Beverly Hillbillies and uh-huh. MASH and the fun farces that sure. that bring a lot of people in. Yeah. But, you know, I think you've got to have that. And, and even if not that many people come, that should be okay. Sure. Sure. Because it does meet a need Yeah. Uh, for those folks that really do want something of that nature. Are there certain musicals that you've seen and loved, like The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Nancy Joe? I know that's one of your favorite I, shows. I love it. I, and, I, you know, it goes against everything that I believe is well, a that's Christian. What I, that's what I was going to say. Okay, there you, do I you know. have to weigh those community standards? Yes. Would Brownwood be ready for something like that? Is that something that— I don't know. I don't even know if we could put that title on the, the marquee. <laughs> but— <laughs> The best little you-know-what in Texas. Well, you know, that um, wouldn't work. We'd have I to know, do it, you know. I but, uh, know. Well, I love the music. Yes. It's a true story. Um, but that's all part d- of what an artistic director yes. does and has to think about. You've got we to have consider to all that. that. Yeah. I remember taking uh, my youngest daughter, Meredith, to uh-huh. some universities for auditions. And it was almost like who could one-up the next college on the most titillating shock value stuff. Yes. And it was really sad. Yes. 
my feeling is if you offend someone, they stop listening. Right. They, there's no reason for them to, to stay and, and be a part of that. And then they're so incensed by what they just heard, they miss the next part that was really good. Yeah. So we try not to do that. And there are times, there are just certain scripts we just won't be able to do, right. um, no matter what. But <laughs> we did Best Little Whorehouse in, in Illinois when I was there. I yeah. was not in it. I was just, you know, watching. But it was a delightful production, and it's a true story. So it's there is some interest to me in, in those true stories. But uh, this one was a little different, but it just great music and right. fun stuff. Right. Now, in A Few Good Men, you know, that was a tough show. It was a powerful, powerful show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that, especially that last tense scene, you know, it, you, oh. You have yeah. to kind of play it as it plays. So I, I, I know right. sometimes you, you do have to uh, um, kind of make a decision there, you know. And, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes things are, are, are warranted just for the script. And yes. Because otherwise it would be too, it would come off as fake if mm-hmm. you try to dance around certain things too. True. Exactly. So. Exactly. So you just have to figure out what you think is going to be best and work around those. Did we touch on just about everything, you think? Anything that I might have I so. left out? I Nothing of any major significance, I don't think. Well, let me, may I tell you about my daddy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I asked about your mom because I, uh-huh. I never really knew or met your dad. I sure. just remember your mother, and I, I wanted to talk about yes. your mom. But let's talk about your yeah. dad. My daddy was a professional musician. He was also a university professor. He was a trombonist, and he helped establish the International Trombone Association. Oh, wow. And, in fact, they have two awards that they give each year, and one of them is named after my daddy. And mm-hmm. so he... He was a very, very special man, and he was so much more than just a dad to me because he was also a, a mentor and a, a guide in so many ways. And so he unfortunately passed away when he was 62. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just such a, a difficult thing. He had developed uh, multiple myeloma, a, yeah. a form of uh, cancer of the bone marrow. But I think what thrills me the most is that his former students will still put a picture of him or an event. They did just this last week, a couple days ago. uh, They put a picture up of the trombone choir that daddy had at the university coming to our house for a backyard picnic and and so forth. And then they'll say wonderful things about him. And of course, that just makes my heart so happy because he's been gone for a long time. What song on the trombone can you hear him playing right now? Bluebells of Scotland. Okay. Bluebells was a flashy piece and it was uh, a fun fun one, Arthur Pryor piece. But he also did uh, a fun thing that he created, which was uh, Night and Day. And so he would have the pianist play this really big, flashy piano part. And he had worked it out where all he did was play the same note all the way through in the rhythm of the song, but it was just that same note and he could play it in several different positions. So you'd think he was going to change notes. And then in the middle, he'd hear a rattle in the horn. And so he would take out some of the slides and then all pencil would fall out and he'd put that (laughs) back in and he'd come back in and do the the slide thing again with just that same note. And at the end, people would applaud because they thought it was really funny and, and they would applaud. And he said, well, 
let's have a little applause for the incidental piano part over here. <laughs> so <laughs> it was cute. He went to an international brass congress in Switzerland, in Montreux, Switzerland one time. And this fellow that spoke German uh, and daddy spoke no German, but he came up to daddy because daddy had done the night and day routine there. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he just laughed at him, you know, he just like, yes, I really loved that. He couldn't, <laughs> couldn't say it, but I guess I love that. He spoke the so, language of music. He did. Universal. That's he great. did. And such a fine Christian man. I'm glad you prompted me on that. Thank about you. Your dad. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Now comes the part of the show where I'm going to be kind of intimidated, <laughs> Dr. Okay. Humfeld, because <laughs> what I've done on all the shows that we've done, we've closed with a dramatic reading. Okay. And I don't know if you've given that a whole lot of thought. Now, I have some scripts over here. I actually brought Rumors, which is a show we oh, hope to do in yes. the spring. I want to audition for that. Oh, it is such a great show. It's four couples mm-hmm. having dinner together at the house. And then, you know, the old story about where you have people in a line and someone whispers something to the next person and then yes. they whisper to them. And by the time it gets to the end of the line, <laughs> it doesn't resemble anything. You know, And that that's what Rumors is about. And it is so, so fun. So we're going to plan to do that one in the spring, I think. So I brought that. But that one doesn't really work as well, but I also brought one of my favorite scripts, Laundry and Bourbon. Laundry and Bourbon. I've not heard of this. Is this an old... It's a Play it's or? a James McClure piece. It's a it's a one act that's a companion to Lone Star, which is so Lone Star is three men, um, laundry and bourbon is three women, okay. and basically they're they're sitting on the back porch folding laundry and drinking bourbon and coke and gossiping. They're really fun characters. And Southern? I, Southern? Oh, or? very much. Te- okay. Texan. Okay. So you get to put on your best Texas accent. And <laughs> I'll, I'll give it my best. So you're going okay. to have me play a woman, I assume, if it's yes. three women. Nancy Can you Joe? play Elizabeth? Well, yes. This is before Amy Lee comes in. And okay. basically, Elizabeth, these three gals were friends all through high school. Uh, Amy Lee is, is just a little too Christian for the other two. <laughs> and so Hattie particularly is not crazy about Amy Lee because Amy Lee doesn't let her play Mahjong at the country club with them. And, you know, she, Hattie would love to be the social climber and Amy Lee is not going to let that happen. Okay. And so anyway, Elizabeth married the, um, the bad boy, if you will, but he was something. I mean, boy in the day, and he had his Thunderbird, and he was just really, really special. Kind of like my Jill, she married the bad boy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and look how wonderfully it turned out. <laughs> well, Roy is uh, Roy has been missing for several days. He just drove off. I mean, oh, okay. he just he's kind my of loose cannon. Has been missing. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So, uh, it, but it's these two girls talking about. Um, different things. Hattie is not necessarily the brightest uh, bulb in the marquee. So are you but, Are you going to read for Hattie I'm and I'm going to read for Elizabeth? Yes. Okay. I'm you, up for this. This okay. is my first one I've read as a woman, I think. So, Well, <laughs> you, can you make that happen? Well, we shall see. Okay. We shall see. I think it'll be fun. You've got scripts for both of us, yes. I think. Okay. Uh-huh. Here you go. Right. And I highlighted Elizabeth. <clears throat> now, I might say we just, we don't rehearse this. Right. So we're just going to go cold on this, okay? Right. But All this right. is a show the Lyric did. La- Laundry and Bourbon? I don't remember mm-hmm. this we show. We did it at Howard, on the Howard Payne stage. Oh, here it is. Right here. 2007. Uh-huh. Um, I must have missed that one. Oh, Jill Evans played oh. Amy Lee, which was really fun. And Charlotte Garrett played um, Elizabeth, and I played Hattie. Okay. So they're on the back porch folding laundry, and Elizabeth is being very sentimental about their high school years and so forth. One, two, 
Lisbeth, you're getting all sentimental and romantic. That happened to me once. I let a man run all over me. What'd you do? I wrote a poem. You? Yep. Worst afternoon in my life. Never do it again. That's what happens when you get all sentimental and miserable. You write poems. Just like old Emily Dickens. Emily Dickinson. That's the one. Poor gal was a miserable, God-forsaken old maid all her life. And when she died, all was left was just a drawer full of poems. What's your poem about, Hattie? I wrote a poem about Wayne Wilder. He was a mean person, and it was a mean poem. It was right after high school graduation. Wayne told me he was jilting me. You and Roy was getting married, and Wayne Wilder was jilting me. Hit me like a ton of bricks. I went out back of the girls' gym, cried, and wrote a poem. I still remember it. Oh, Wayne, you don't know. I love you so well. But you son of a gun, I hope you're roasting hell. Not much of a poem, I guess. But then I decided to get practical like Hattie's always had to be. I went back to where everybody was in their caps and gowns. I saw Vernon Dillon standing there. He'd just been fiddling under some car hood. Even in his cap and gown, his hands were dirty. But he was a good man, and I knew he liked me. I got him to take me out, got him to propose. Then a month, we were married. (laughs) Poor Vern. Never knew what hit him. (laughs) What are you telling me this for? Roy's just like Wayne. He ain't never going to change. Maybe not. I've known you all my life. I know you need a marriage and you want a family. Am I right? Yes. Then wake up. You can't leave the important things in life like marriage and children up to the men folk. If they had their way, they'd just stick to their football and their fishing and their thunderbirds and just be boys forever. Now, if Roy straightens up, that's one thing. If not, well... You got a decision to make. Maybe it's already been made for me. What do you mean? Nothing, Hattie. Forget I said that. Don't tell me it's nothing. <gasps> You're pregnant, aren't you? Yeah. I knew it. I knew it the minute I walked in here today. Oh, Elizabeth, that's wonderful. What's wonderful about it? It comes at the worst possible time. Wrong. It comes at the best possible time. Well, don't you see? This might be just the thing to make Roy straighten up and fly right. And if it doesn't? Well, then, to heck with him. I guess... Oh, I guess you're right. Oh, honey, let me give you a hug. That's the smartest thing you ever did. What do you mean? Getting pregnant, of course. Hattie, I didn't get myself pregnant on purpose. I didn't plan it this way. Are you sure? Yes. Yes, I'm sure. I don't know if Roy can take this right now. He doesn't know what he's doing himself. Well, that's not your problem. It's ever bit my problem. It couldn't be any more my problem. I didn't mean to get y'all upset. I just meant that... I know, Hattie, I know. I just just don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, well, sure. Sure. Uh, Say, mind if I use your phone? (laughs) Of course. Figure I better check on the kids. No telling what devilment they've gotten up to. Everything's going to turn out fine. You'll see. (laughs) and scene i want to see that now that is great (laughs) it's a fun show thank you for doing that we may have to resurrect that one yeah (laughs) 
Dr. Nancy Jo Humfeld has been my guest. I'm going to close. I've got these quotes on the beauty of community theater. Community theater is that wonderful network of friends we can laugh with, cry with, argue with, party with, and yet come together to provide wonderful entertainment for our communities. Because of community theater, I have an extended family around the world who share that same love and excitement of the performance. I become friends with people I'd never dreamed I'd be friends with. We all have our normal, our uptight and stuffy friends, and then we have our weird, flamboyant theater friends. <laughs> I love it. That's terrific. And it is true. Yeah. We do become a family. We are the Lyric family because we spend so much time together, in, and you're in vulnerable situations, and that kind of makes you appreciate and support each other yeah. in ways that you wouldn't in a social situation. Absolutely. Thank you for everything you've done, and continue to do and will do in the future for the Lyric Theater. Thank you so much. It's all my pleasure and my honor. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here Eric. This is Eric Evans, Managing Director at the Lyric Theater. We are excited to get going again here at the Lyric Theater in Brownwood, Texas after seven months with our first production, and it's going to be Get Smart, the first weekend in November. I look forward to seeing you here. You can go to our website on brownwoodlyricstheater.com and a ticket tab and get your tickets. You can also go and get information on our Facebook as well as our Instagram pages. We look forward to seeing you here in historic downtown Brownwood at the Lyric Theater. Thank you, Eric Evans, for your steady hand during this trying year of uncertainty with the Lyric Theater. Now, here's a postscript to today's interview. I was set to close with the beautiful song, Sarah, from that Broadway musical, The Civil War. You remember the one that brought Nancy Joe to tears. However, in editing, I stopped down and acted on a hunch. I Google searched Bluebells of Scotland, Humfeld. And to my amazement and elation, I found this treasure. You see, Nancy Jo Humfeld was not using hyperbole when speaking about her world-renowned trombone-playing father. So to close, I give you the Christian Brothers Band from 1970 playing the Bluebells of Scotland with none other than Neil Humfeld as trombone soloist.
Thanks for listening to Waxing Lyrically, sponsored by the one and only Teddy's Brew House in downtown Bronwood. If you enjoyed our podcast, why not share it with a friend? This is your announcer, Kurt Schneider, wishing all Brownwood Lyric Theater lovers a great day. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.